Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Here we go, Book of Acts, and we're going to go verse 1. And uh, this is the message I preached to our church on Pentecost Sunday. So this is going to be good. We're going to love this. We're going to enjoy this. Here we go. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began uh, to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them. And after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while he was staying with them, and here's what we need to lay hold of uh, tonight. He ordered them not to, to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And let's just skip to verse 8. And uh, as Pentecostal believers, we, we know this verse off by heart. There's not many verses we know off by heart as Pentecostals, <laughs> but this is the one that we know off by heart. And you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Okay, so uh, this is the book of Acts. Um, and if you're not aware, the book of Acts is actually the second book of Luke, technically, because it's written by Luke still. Luke, who wrote the gospel, wrote the book of Acts. And we see that through this first verse, O Theophilus, we see that reference in the book of Luke. And so Luke is actually trying to tell this person, Theophilus, and us today, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what happened after the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, what is Jesus referring to here when he talks about the promise of the Father, the promise of the Father? He has this intimate conversation with the 12 and he says, wait. And I know that this house would be aware that Jesus was with them for 40 days. And then there's a 10-day period where they had a 10-day prayer meeting. Are you with me? Because I, I, I just I listen to all the numerous messages, so I just I just know. So I'm just I'm racing through a few things here. The 10 day prayer meeting, and then on the day of Pentecost, 50. On that day, it arrived. The Spirit filled every single believer. What's the promise? The promise is found in Joel chapter two, and it's in verse 28, verse 29. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on my male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. Okay, here's the thing. I know we know these passages really well. We, we understand this as, as Pentecostal, fire-breathing, you know, just we just love the Holy Spirit. But there's one thing that I kind of want to draw out from this today. Um, our church is called Disciple House, and we just really feel like God's called um, our house, but also Esther and I, to really lean into this whole discipleship thing that Jesus left for us to go and do. Matthew 28, go into all the world and make disciples. Uh, Jesus never commanded us to build churches. He never commanded us to raise leaders. 
He didn't even say, go and save souls. He said, go and make disciples. That was the command that he left us with. And so for me, I'm just constantly thinking through that filter uh, because I just believe God has graced us in this season to, to, to draw something else out, to, to see a different way, to hear a new thing, that not really a new thing, to have a revision of the old thing that God's been wanting us to do back from the very start. And so I, I see through uh, the eyes of the 12 when I'm reading the Gospels. And uh, ever since, um, it's kind of a good thing and, and a bad thing, ever since I've watched The Chosen, it's like I just know, like I just have a visual representation of that person. And sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes it's like, oh, I'd love a, just a blank mind on this passage or, or whatever. Uh, but here's the thing. Here's what I'm saying all of that to say this. The disciples followed Jesus for three years. Three years. The call on the Sea of Galilee first to Peter and his brother Andrew. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You with me? That's about Luke 5-ish, something around there. And this is the call. And they followed him for three years. And the most amazing thing about this passage is that these disciples followed Jesus for three years. They didn't read about the Sermon on the Mount. They heard it. And they also heard stuff we would never hear. John talks about in his gospel, the end of, of the book of John, you know, we love John, right? Oh, I suppose that there are not enough pages in the world. To, I'm paraphrasing. Don't, don't shoot me down or anything like that. But uh, it's the Sam Dick's version message, passion thing going on there. So I, I suppose that, that, that we know there are so many stories, so many encounters, so many healings that the disciples didn't read about. They lived. They lived it. They experienced it as they followed Jesus for three years. They didn't read about the lame man walking that you know that lame man with they put a hole in the roof the four friends lowered the man can you imagine the tension in the room why would you interrupt a teacher why would you disrupt someone's house like why why would you do that this, but these are stories i understand but we need to put ourselves there we need to understand what the heck is going on in these passages the disciples lived this out they watched as he confounded the pharisees and how the Pharisees who were supposed to know the heart of God, yet they, they, they completely missed Jesus. These people were meant to be the experts in, in the law and the prophets and the Psalms, but they missed Jesus. They completely blindsided by the fact that that was the Messiah. But this, these 12 knew, in fact, Peter knew, and he said, well, you're the Christ. And Jesus says, yes, this has not been revealed to you through man, but through God. And on this confession, I will build my church the disciples some of them some of them because they got scared some of them were there when they watched jesus get crucified they saw it they were there they they have a visual memory they probably had trauma that they had to deal with after the fact they were there in the room they were there they saw they saw the risen jesus why am i saying all of this jesus's last command to them is you there's one more thing you need after a three-year journey of hearing the teacher of teachers, after watching and encountering and them also moving, watching the healer of healers, after them not just having Jesus on Sunday for an hour and a half once a week, day in, day out, they'd wake up, have breakfast with Jesus, and they'd go to the next village. Jesus says to them, you lack one thing. 
after three, you'd think they would have finished their apprenticeship. You'd think they would have finished everything that they needed, but Jesus says, do not leave Jerusalem until you have been clothed with power from on high. And I guess the thing I want to draw out tonight is this, and I understand that uh, this house is in a season of revival. Here's, here's the message. We, we need a deeper dependence on the Holy Spirit, a deeper dependence, not, not, just a, not just a casual understanding of who he is and what he does. We need a deep, deep, deep dependence on who the Holy Spirit is. Why? Why do we need that? And why did Jesus tell them to wait? Because, you know, you can see there's sort of this, this, this wanting to go in the disciples. You've got to understand Jerusalem's, it's, it's the Mecca. It's the city. Like, it's the city that you don't want to leave. It's New York. It's, it's, it's Melbourne. It's that place. That, come on, listen a minute. Like, we're, we all want to be there right now. Come on, let's be honest, right? And uh, I'm going this week. But anyway, don't shoot me. And... Um, you know, it's a place that you go to and you don't want to leave. Why are the disciples wanting to leave Jerusalem? It was because Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. And so Jesus says, go, but he says, wait. He says, go, 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 go. No, 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 wait. And there's this tension and it only lasted for 10 days. They didn't know how long it was going to last. But there's this fire inside of them after they've seen the risen Jesus, after they've seen the accomplished work of Jesus, that they want to go, but there's also this understanding that we must wait. Why? Because every single disciple, if they're not filled with the authority and the power and the voice and the understanding of the Holy Spirit is an ineffective disciple. At that point, they're just human. What makes us be able to, allows us be able to move in move in power, move in the anointing of God is not us. It's not us. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, when we pray for people, we, we don't pray. I, I pray in the name of Sam. I declare in the name of Sam right now that this thing will come out. I declare that this healing will take place. No, we declare in the name of Jesus. But isn't it interesting sometimes we declare the name of Jesus, but we really feel like we're, we're standing on our authority. We're standing on, on who we are. No, we're standing on the finished work of Christ and the only name that is above every name, and that name is Jesus. But Jesus is not here anymore. He went and said, wait. And the spirit of Jesus, sometimes the Holy Spirit's referred to, is in us. And so if we want to be people of power, if we want to be people of the anointing, if we want to be people who can sense when we need to give an encouraging prophetic word to someone, if we want to be a kind of people that are not just seeing uh, people saved in a service, but saved in our lives, as we go out and fulfill the Great Commission, there must be a deeper dependence on the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. I know there are many of us in this room. Here's the scale. Some of us in here tonight, we, we, we've never encountered the Holy Spirit, maybe. Maybe we have a bit of an apprehension to the Holy Spirit. And then there's the other side of the coin of us who, who lean in and we love the Holy Spirit and, and, and we want to see many amazing things happen in our life through Him. We embrace Him. We love Him. Can I tell you, if, if you're either or, even if you're the one who is wanting to lean in, there's more of a lean in that you need to do. There is more of a deeper dependence that we all need to lean on. And I think um, 
how amazing it is that you guys in this house, your senior leader has, has demonstrated that. And um, I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm repeating things that you already know, but wanting, wanting to bring this full circle. You know, that day in, in August, and I wasn't there last year when, you know, when revival broke out in Melbourne, Corey says it was the day that he gave up control. And it was the day that he allowed a deeper dependence on the Holy Spirit. Who would agree that Pastor Corey had a dependence on the Holy Spirit? It's not like he didn't have enough. It was God saying, there's more. There's more for you to lean into. There's more of our fear of man to let go and more of the fear of God to embrace. There's more of our control that we need to let go and more of a yielding to the Holy Spirit that we need to embrace. And here's the thing, if we think that we have arrived at the destination that I know who the Holy Spirit is, that's pride. There is more and more and, and deeper and deeper of what the Holy Spirit's wanting to do in our lives. And so you're, if you're either one of that, if you find yourself in the middle tonight, I, wa I want you to, this message is for everyone tonight. There's a deeper dependence. Don't, don't just think if you, if you embrace Holy Spirit that there's not more. There is more for you. There's more of you to die. You know, um, we've just planted this church a year and a half ago. Before that, you know, we were um, uh, uh, campus worship and youth pastor leaders at Centerpoint Church, which is probably 25 minutes from, from here. And when we have come out of, of being under senior leadership and becoming senior leadership, oh, I'm telling you, there's a deeper dependence on the Holy Spirit that is needed. When you're moving from south of the river to north of the river and, 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 and you've kind of, you know, you know, when you move places and it's not that you've left your friends, but it's just you're doing life differently. You leave your friends because your time doesn't match up and it's just a whole different season. There's nothing wrong, but you leave friends, you, you leave what you know so well, and, 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 you, and you come out under covering and you become covering for people. I'm telling you, there's a deeper dependence that needs to be relied upon. But I'm not saying that to preach about me. I'm saying that whatever God's called you to do, there is a deeper dependence that you need to rely on. And maybe the reason you're not seeing so much fruit is because there's a lack of yielding to the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to the graduated disciples of school Jesus, you lack one thing and do not leave Jerusalem until you've been filled with power from on high. A couple of practical things before we invite the Holy Spirit to come and do his thing. Number one, why do we need the Holy Spirit? Why do we need him? Why, what, what, what are these things that we need that the Holy Spirit has for us? The first one is this, is that the Holy Spirit is the holistic helper. He's the holistic helper. Uh, Jesus, before he died and ascended, he had this moment with the disciples. Some of, honestly, my favorite chapters in the Bible. John 13 is where Jesus washes the feet. But then 14, 15, 16, and 17 are a continuous conversation that Jesus has with the disciple. John chapter 17 is the prayer. It's the priestly prayer, right? And we see a long prayer of Jesus. Like that is to be treasured and that is to be valued. The intimacy of conversation that Jesus had with the disciples, but also the intimacy of reading a prayer from the Son to the Father. It's next level. But Jesus kind of within those chapters, he kind of interweaves this idea that I'm going to go, but I must go because I'm going to send someone else. And in John 14, verse 16, he says this, 
Uh, When I go, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to not be with you for a period of time, that was Jesus, but to be with you forever, to be with you forever. You know, uh, this word helper in the Greek is this word parakletos. And uh, it's a shame, we're going to have all my slides and everything tonight and this would make so much more sense. But this word, it, it actually has more of a lean into legal terms that this helper is there to help defend us. When, when you do something wrong, you don't call uh, your mum or your dad. When you're in trouble with the law, you don't call your mum and your dad and say, hey, represent me in court. If they're a lawyer, go for it. That's, that's a good time. I don't know if that's legal. Anyway, I don't know. But, um, but you call a lawyer and you call someone you have no idea who they are and you say, I need help. Why? Because they're an expert in that field. And when it comes to this life, where Jesus has called us to do an impossible thing. What's the impossible thing? The impossible thing is go into all the world, make disciples, pause. Making disciples is an impossible work. As someone who has branded and pursued his church as Disciple House, I'm telling you, 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 just because you brand something, something doesn't mean it's actually gonna eventuate. It's, it, it, I had this moment of revelation. There are people who attend our church and, and know our hearts and know that our church is called Disciple House, but they don't want to be discipled. And I was like, this blew my mind. I thought everyone in our church, because they, the name, it's there, it's on the screen. When you, when you, there's flags, Disciple House. Not, I don't know everything house, Disciple House. And, and it's blown my mind. And then Jesus has just reminded me, like, people just, you know, take time. And Jesus is working on my heart. I'm just being vulnerable here, right? And what I was saying was that it's an impossible work. It's an impossible work. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Because we need the holistic helper to help us with this impossible task. And I love the vision of this house. It's impossible for this house to plant 200 new churches. That is impossible. But with man, with God, all things are possible. All things. And what is God for us today? Father, of course, Jesus. But but what is what is God on earth for us? It's the Holy Spirit. It's it's the one living inside of us. But it's the one that's residing, the one that hovers in and around our world. The second reason that we need the Holy Spirit is because He's the truth teller. He's the truth teller. So firstly, He's the holistic helper. But secondly, He is the truth teller. You know, like, 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 the, uh, like, uh, like fish need water, like plants need the sun, like a baby needs its mother, we need the Holy Spirit. And we're nothing without it. Take the plant, for example. The plant is something that is in the ground, in soil, and there's this thing called the sun that is not just down the road, <laughs> it's thousands of kilometers away. And then if the sun doesn't show up for one day, that plant's done. Not just that plant, we're all done, right? And apparently if bees go, we're done too. I don't know, that's a whole other sermon for another day. But the point is that there is this thing outside of the plant, outside of itself. There's even this thing outside of the world, outside of the atmosphere of earth that it's reliant on. And the reason that we need the Holy Spirit is because we can't do the works. We, we can't preach the message. We can't 
move in miraculous power unless we have the Son, unless we have Jesus. And, and, and it's beyond us. But we understand and know that it's also so close. It's beyond us in, in the fact that we awe and we worship God, but we also know him as friend. And so secondly, why do we need the Holy Spirit? Because he's the truth teller. We are not the truth. In fact, we're, we're the complete opposite. And if, if we look at our world and our globe, it just goes through cycles of craziness throughout human history because it's trying to find truth. It's trying to find the answer. And sometimes they don't know that they're trying to find truth, but they're trying to find truth. But we know someone who is truth. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And the reason that we need a deeper dependence on the Holy Spirit, first is because we need the holistic helper. We need that one that can defend us when we're being attacked spiritually. We need that one that can move on our behalf in impossible ways. But also, secondly, we need that truth revealer. We need that voice. We need that prompting. We need that lean in from the Holy Spirit that provides to us truth that we would never have known unless we actually invited him into our life. How do I know this is so important? Ascended Jesus spends that 40 days with the disciples. And within the first 24 hours, uh, he has some pretty crazy moments where he appears in a room and disappears and does some check out my hands and kind of does some tricks. I love that Jesus. That's, that's the next level Jesus. And, um, but the Bible says that Jesus says, uh, as, he's, as he's dealing and ministering to their doubt, particularly Thomas, he's like, no, nah, I don't believe. What is this? He's like, look at my hands. It's me. Thomas, come. It's me. And Jesus says to them, do you not understand that all things needed to be fulfilled? And the next verse says, and Jesus opened their minds to understand the scripture. And I know I'm going out on a limb here, but I believe truly until that moment, there is no one in human history that understood the Bible like those disciples did in that moment. It was almost like a starting point, a fresh read of everything from Genesis through to the book of Micah, the, you know, the Old, the Old Testament. They, they, were, they were the New Testament. And it was like, oh, my goodness. Oh, Jesus is he's in that story. I didn't, I didn't notice that, but he's, in, he's even in Leviticus. He's even there. And what, what am I saying? We, we can never understand the word until the Holy Spirit brings revelation to us. Have you ever read the Bible and gone, what? I love that, honestly, all the time, 100%. Come on, let's, this is, come on, tonight, just for a small moment, this is Disciple House, all right? This is not Prideful House. This is not I Know Everything House. This is I Need Help House, all right? I need it. On many levels, I need help. But in this one area, particularly in our Bible reading, we, we don't understand it. We'll read it for the rest of our life. Even those who are professors and doctors in this book, they're still beginning to understand what is within these pages. And that's why John says, I suppose there are so many things. That we, anyway, so, so we need the truth teller. We, we can't read his word and we can't understand truth without the impartation of the Holy Spirit. And if we think that we can open that word and get revelation for ourselves, we're kidding ourselves. We need to come into that posture and say, Holistic helper, truth teller, reveal revelation to me today so that it will go into my heart, but also so that I can preach it out to others. The holistic helper, 
the truth teacher. There's a psalm, I think it's Psalm 119. My wife found it a few years ago. Uh, it was always there, but she found it. <laughs> and she's like, Sam, look at this scripture. And it's become a, a, a ritual for her and I that before we read our word, that Psalm 119, one of those verses says this, open my eyes to see the wonderful truths that are found in your instructions. And in that moment, that's, a, that's, that's an Old Testament almost prophecy of what it's like to live with the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. That there's this moment of openness towards God saying, God, I am not the truth. I need the truth teacher to come into my heart right now and reveal his truth to me. Thirdly, the reason we need the Holy Spirit to fulfill this impossible task of going into all the world and making disciples is because the Holy Spirit is the master's mouthpiece. Is the master's mouthpiece. In John 16, 13 to 14, it says this, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And what does he hear? He hears the father's instructions. He hears the instructions from Christ and he begins to speak to us. To kind of put it into words, it's like this. You know, these are my friends, by the way. This is Matt and this is Emma. Can we give these guys a hand? These are my beautiful friends. They're a part, they're a part of We Haven't Got All This Together house, right? But, you know, I have coffee with Matt and we catch up and we have great chats. And sometimes I make Matt cry and sometimes Matt makes me cry. And uh, anyway, we have 10 coffees and we're just three hours goes, 10 hours goes by. We're having this coffee and uh, that was yesterday. But anyway, so um, we're having this time. And it's that moment where we're like, oh, geez, we better, we better get going. And we part ways. We're leaving the cafe in opposite directions. And then I go, oh, Matt, by the way, Matt turns around. He's like, what? He's like, gosh, this guy's starting another conversation again. He's going to destroy my heart again. And I'm like, no, no, no. Hey, Matt, uh, tell Emma, Matt's wife, I said hi. I go my separate way. Matt drives home. Emma's like, oh, hey, how was your coffee with Sam? Oh, it was great. It was really long. It was about 10 hours. There's 10 coffees, and it was kind of really drawn out. But anyway, he actually said to say hi. And that's what it looks like. There's a direction from the Father, not me. There's a message given, and it's the Holy Spirit that passes it on to that person that needs, it needs to be passed on to. There's a message given not in Matt's authority, but in someone else's authority. Matt can't say hi to Emma unless I ask him to. Sam says hi, that'd be a lie if he didn't do it. But because I said, hey, Matt, say hi to Emma, Emma's like, oh, that's great. And that's the picture, that's what it looks like. The Father gives the message to the Holy Spirit, and if we're open, we will hear the message from the Holy Spirit. God has words for you. God has purpose for you. God has calling for you. God, not, not just sometimes when we think calling, we think like in 30 years' time. Tomorrow, tomorrow when you're, Numa eats, where are you going? You're eating here, going out somewhere? Eating here. All right, well, if you were real Christians and you were going out to Vic Park or something like that, nah, I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> On your drive home tonight, parents, as you go home to your kids, there is an assignment from heaven. Tomorrow, when you go to your workplace, you have a task, you have a mission, but are you actually going to pick up the phone and say, Holy Spirit, what is my mission? What is my task today? It's those little things. It's not just the big things. I believe in the big things, the big calling, the destiny. I believe all of us have a calling to fulfill in our life. But it's also the daily things that if we're willing, God's like, I'm just waiting for some willing disciples to say, hey, God, you can wreck my day if you'd like. We don't like that in the West. 
They're like everything blocked out in hour blocks. That's why 10 hour coffees are a bit too long. <laughs> it's like, no, no, Holy Spirit, I've I got a job to do. I've got to be a parent. I've got all these things to do. But I believe that you can interweave my day and do something powerful because I'm open to it. Because I'm a disciple who deeply depends on the Holy Spirit. And the last thing tonight is this why do we need the Holy Spirit? And I've been alluding to it this whole message is because He's the power provider. He's the power provider. He's the one that gives us the ability. It's not me. It's not what I build up. It's my built up yieldedness to the Holy Spirit. You with me? It's not my stored power. It's my ability to become humble and lowly and say, I, I can't do this unless you're with me. You know, my wife and I planted this church and recently we had baby number two, he's nine months old now. And we've had a period where I've just kind of been leading our church and, and, and it's been great, it's been awesome. But, you know, a few months ago I said to Esther, I said, hey, no pressure or anything like that, but, but you and I planted this church and, and I, can't, I cannot do this unless you're with me. And not that she hasn't been with me in heart, but it's like, hey, do, do you think that maybe we could start meeting again on Mondays and, and doing all this sort of thing? It's, it, saying all that to say this, it's that kind of level of dependence that like I, I need what the Holy Spirit has. Like, like a baby needs its mother, like a plant needs the sun, like fish needs water, like humans need oxygen. We need the Holy Spirit. We can't move in that power. We can't see that miraculous take place until we've been filled, but also until we yield. And say, so it's not me, it's not my built up power, it's my weeks, months, years of dependence on the Holy Spirit that that anointing grows more and more in our hearts and in our lives. And that we would be the kind of people that would declare the Old Testament prayer that's prophesied in Zechariah, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. What is the context of this story? They were rebuilding the city. They were rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. They've gone into exile, an impossible task financially impossible they're not really a nation anymore politically impossible relationally impossible for them to do this practically if you don't have money you can't get supplies you can't get labor but god said to them not by might not by power this impossible task is only going to be done by through the spirit of the lord and what he was saying to them is say hey do your thing do the possible and lean on me and I'll take care of the impossible. And in this season of revival and leaning into asking God, what is it that you've called me to do and how do I do this and how do I do that? The first thing that we must do on a daily basis is go deeper in our dependence of the Holy Spirit each and every single day. That we wouldn't become prideful to think that we've arrived at the depths of reliance, at the depths of revelation, the truth teacher, that the depths of the master's mouthpiece. There's something new, there's something fresh, that there's a new thing that God wants to do in our hearts here tonight. Thank you for joining us for this message today. 
We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.